This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Mama Angie says that Casey O'Rourke gets it. She gave Joyful Courage five stars. Reading this book is like getting parenting advice from a trusted friend. She knows what you're going through. She doesn't make you feel bad about it. And she wants the best for you and your family. I'm a longtime fan of the Joyful Courage podcast. So I was happy to see that the book is just as authentic, smart, and full of aha moments as the podcast. I've taken away so many strategies to help me form a closer connection to my children and help us stay sane as we navigate life together. Thank you so much, Angie. And to all of you, if you love Joyful Courage, if you are interested in listening to Joyful Courage, the audiobook, it's happening. It's happening. The audiobook will be available through Audible come September. So please stay connected, stay tuned for more details. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to Joyful Courage. I'm so glad that you're here and listening. Joyful Courage is a conscious parenting podcast, a place where I like to bring information and inspiration to the parenting journey. I'm your host, Casey, Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, I'm a parent coach. But most importantly, I am a fellow traveler on the journey of parenting. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled that you're listening in. This show is all about stepping into the personal growth and development that is always waiting for us here in this era of being mothers, of being fathers, of loving the kids that we have while staying lovingly detached from what's showing up in their lives. I know that sounds weird, right? Being detached. Telling you, it'll change your life if you can do it. Uh, The show is designed to offer you guidance. You can take it. You can leave it. It's a buffet of information. Um, Just listen, right? Just listen. Create your own value. Listen for nuggets that land for you. And if something doesn't, just leave it behind. It's all good. I would love to know what you think. I have many communities that you can join. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. You can join in the conversation at Live and Love with Joyful Courage on Facebook or Joyful Courage for Parents of 
teenagers on Facebook. So I love to be in conversation with my listeners, knowing what's going on in your life and bringing some of what you desire most challenges that you are currently facing, bringing them onto the podcast, bringing them into these conversations so that I can be in service to you. I really hope that you enjoy this show and I'm confident that you will. Hi, podcast listeners. My guest today is Dr. Rob Ryer. Rob is a highly respected developmental and educational psychologist. He is a media expert who studies the escalating impact of technology, media, and consumerism and its accompanying noise on children, families, and societies. Also, Rob has extensive experience as a researcher, counselor, speaker, consultant, and educator. As an adjunct professor of psychology at Woodbury University in Burbank, California, Rob created and taught the first entertainment course in the country. Rob has written two books and is the co-author with Daniel Acuff of Kidnapped, How Irresponsible Marketers Are Stealing the Minds of Your Children. He's also the co-host of the Above the Noise podcast. I'm thrilled to have Rob on to support us in developing tools for this landscape of parenting. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) So glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, will you share a little bit about your journey of doing what you do with the listeners? Yeah, so the first thing I'd like to tell your listeners is I am not a parent. And there's a... uh, there's something I think that I can bring to the party here because of the other places I've been that I've been allowed to be and have had the time to dip into uh, uh, because of the freedom I was offered over a period of time. And so I, I'd like to approach it from uh, two places. Uh, I've been in the classroom and I've been in the boardroom and for the last 45 years. And that's given me a a perspective to say, okay, what are they doing in business? What are they up to over there? And what are the kids doing? So in in my classroom experience, it's been all the way from elementary school to uh, high school to Cal State University's uh, special diagnostic school, uh, working with educationally handicapped, working with uh, heroin addicts and meth addicts and also working with handicapped kids that are blind and have severe disabilities, as well as extremely, extremely creative people at art colleges that are like super creatives. So it's it's been beautiful in the sense that it's been that full range all the way from elementary school through the university and with all different types of students. And that's been sort of the background to what fascinated me 45 years ago, which is how do these students make great choices and bad choices? And the other part of that had to do with, I think we've all had this experience where, you know, uh, you go to a a reunion from high school or something and you, you know, you walk, you walk out of the reunion going, wow, you know, uh, Mabel was the, uh, the, the prom queen, but she's gained 145 pounds. And it's like, I wonder w- what choices she's making uh, would run through my mind that allowed that. Or somebody that I respected as a student body president is now in prison or in jail. And all those kinds of behaviors and past experiences got me very, very interested in what makes a good chooser 
or a band chooser and how that changes over time. Yeah, I am fascinated by that as well. I think the human experience is so rich and there's so many layers and so many dynamics when it comes to the relationships that we experience and the dynamics in, in, you know, the way the world works for us and, you know, where we experience failure and how we make sense of it. So today we're talking specifically around parenting during this period of time where there's so much noise. So tell me about how, and you and and your co-host at the Above the Noise podcast, you, I'm guessing you saw a need there, right? You saw a need there and wanted to support families. So what were you seeing that motivated you to create that podcast? And, you know, can you kind of tease apart what noise means to you? Sure. Well, first of all, the uh, podcast is called Live Above the Noise. Oh, my... Sorry, my notes are poor. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and what was happening is uh, starting uh, uh, 20, 25, 35 years ago, that was a question that I asked myself is like, uh, how do you not get stuck in dimensions of life that don't facilitate your growth? It doesn't matter what age you are. And one of the things I loved about your languaging, Casey, uh, is when you mentioned the concept of conscious parenting, because you don't hear that a lot uh, with different parenting groups. That word has always been a tricky word for me. Like, what does that mean to be a conscious parent? And that's been sort of the journey that I've been on, which is trying to understand consciousness, the idea of what makes a person conscious, what are the core components? And there is a science of that. And there is a science of choosing, I believe. And of course, it's the kind of thing that I intend to spend the rest of my life investigating and building upon. But there is so much currently in place that we can understand with regard to what are the core elements that are related to consciousness and why is consciousness so important, and especially in today's age of noise. So to your question of noise... We think of it at uh, Live Above the Noise as basically it's distraction, it's distortion, it's disruption, and it's overload. It's those four components of information coming into the system. And so that raises an issue because what's happened, in my opinion, over the last 20 years is uh, we as a culture and especially parents, I believe we're blindsided completely blindsided. And what I mean by that is uh, when the digital era was introduced in the late 90s, and then by the time 2007 rolled around, everybody had a smartphone. And now uh, I just noticed today when I was working out at the gym, nine out of 10 people at the gym are on their smartphone and you go, okay, that's got to have major trade-offs. What what are the trade-offs and what do parents need to understand because there's something in the field of psychology called JND, which is just noticeable difference. And that's a psychophysics term that says, you typically, uh, the way the human being is wired, they typically don't notice small things occurring, you know, over time that are spread out, that are subtle. What they do notice is the, the earthquake, the hurricane, the big stuff that happens. But when the little stuff is happening day by day, year by year, 
And then pretty soon, 20 years later, you find you have a planet addicted to their smartphone. And you're saying, how how did that happen? Well, it's been happening and it's it's been happening intentionally for the last 20 years slowly and it's still happening intentionally and uh, we know that Stanford University has a department of persuasive technology that has uh, psychologists on staff designing uh, manipulative and addictive technology. Some of it's good and some of it is what got us in the trouble that we're in now and admittedly, the founders of Google and Facebook and others, uh, other people that worked on that said, you know what, we're sorry. Uh, we changed the human brain. We rewired you. We apologize. Uh, it's too late. And we didn't know what we were doing at the time. And, and they admittedly said that, you know, and so you, you're going, okay, so now. Thanks. Thanks for the apology. Exactly. So that's where we are now. We're in a a completely different noise-based situation that will only get worse, much worse. I don't even think we've begun to see uh, what's going to happen. If you pay attention to Wired magazine, uh, they'll keep you pretty much up to date to breakthroughs and technologies and how things are shifting and becoming more uh, more deadly in a sense than they are. Like even this morning, I was reading about uh, peg leg biohackers, and that's the new inserting um, uh, with an operation, placing a computer in their leg uh, and becoming uh, walking around now with implanted technology in their body. And that's a group of people that admittedly are, I think they're, they call themselves grinders. Uh, which is their nickname, but they're advanced techies that say, you know, that are entrepreneurs, that, you know, some of them say we're out to change the world in a good way. Other ones don't know exactly how things are going to change, but they keep pushing the bar, raising the bar and moving it faster than our human brain will ever be able to adapt to it. And so we find ourselves in a situation right now where it's, it's just escalating and accelerating, and for a parent or for anybody, they're going to say they're in a position right now to say, "Okay, with all these things going on, all these things I'm supposed to learn as a parent, and all the preparation I'm supposed to be responsible for. What is it that I have to pay attention to the most? Like where where's the big thing that uh, out of all of it that I have to be yeah. aware of? And that's a that's a heck of a question." Well, it is. And when I think about you used the word blindsided. And when I remember back in like, I think it was about 2008 when my girlfriend was telling me about this really cool website where you could store photos and share photos and it's so fun and it's called Facebook. And I was like, I don't really know how to work that. I'm not really sure about that. And then I got on there and I realized, holy cow, this thing was made for me, man. I love this. This is awesome. Connecting with old friends and just having this place, you know, as I was home with two young kids and it can feel both overwhelming and painfully slow at the same time, you know, and I thought this is really cool. And I think that, you know, the blind side comes not only with navigating our kids and their use, but also 
argues. Like I'm the first one. I mean, my kids and I, we look at, we look at our screen time and I'm not any better than mm-hmm. they are in mm-hmm. numbers when it comes to how much time we're spending on our phone. So on one hand, I think it's really important, everything you're saying and being informed and really understanding the bigness of this problem. And I have to be super transparent. As I listen to you talk, it kind of gives me the same experience that I have in my body when I think about how much plastic is in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I think about the state of our planet and it feels so big that it makes me want to stick my head in the sand. Yeah, you're not alone. I mean, that's basically what most people feel. It's, it's pretty common because it is overwhelming. It's a, we're in a stage of overwhelm right now. And, I, you know, and there's so many variables that it's like, well, what, where do I start is the question. Right. You know? Yeah, so, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's, start, let's start with the idea of what are the major trade-offs that are the biggest trade-offs that parents and everyone is making. Yeah, it, can we get that down to the science of what's going on with trade-offs? Because we understand the brain enough to understand how the brain gets addicted and how it gets hooked and how dopamine works and the architecture and all those dimensions of the brain. Uh, so the first thing that I think that parents should really, really pay attention to is the brain, that there's the behavior is three-dimensional always, and you forget that. So uh, many parents think of it in terms of the psychology of, uh, psychology of my child. So if, if you are not paying attention to the fact that it is biology, psychology, and socioculture, a combination of three things always, all the time, uh, mm-hmm. you forget, you have a tendency to forget that well, then what is happening to, to us? What is happening? Well, we're, because of the biological component, we're, we're being rewired constantly. And, then, and to the degree that outside input is dominating inside kind of abilities. And so- yeah, I'm going to pause you right there. Just because you are neck deep in this and the rest of us are just regular old parents. So talk to me a little bit about like what you just said, that biology, that, that, that we're being rewired. So what does that look like in practical terms? Is that, you know, the fact that every time if I have my phone in my pocket and it vibrates, I can't not look? Or no. what does that mean, that rewiring? Uh, well, the, what it really means is that if you understand you're being rewired, then your choice uh, situation is different. You understand that how do I, you can ask yourself, how do I want to be rewired? Uh, do I want to be rewired toward well-being or do I want to be rewired in any way that the wirers want me to be rewired? So when I said I was in the boardroom as well as in the classroom, my boardroom experience for 40 years with every major company on this planet, you know, whether it was Spielberg or Lucas or Nike or any of them, was never in that 40-year period did I ever hear anyone in any boardroom meeting or in any group ever express the concern for a child. 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. It just never happened. And it was like, and my intention of entering that arena in the first place was to see if I could shift uh, anybody's ideas about human development and ages and stages so that they would understand how that works and what's good and what's not good for children. Not interested. Get education out of the mix. We don't want, we don't talk about education here. We talk about stockholders and money. Yeah. That's it. So if you know that that's all going on on that level, no, no, they're not interested in well-being at all. And the wiring is taking place based on what they are selling, promoting and developing. Then then a decision has to be made of, OK, what's good technologically and what isn't good? And how do I make decisions about that? Like, for example, I have a yeah. I have an iWatch. 
And I also have. Oh, you're brave. You are a brave man. I uh, could not do it. That would be a disaster for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sort of a te- techie in the sense that I'm always looking for the latest stuff. But I, I, I have a reason for having the iWatch. Right. You know, which is to use it for a number of things. And given my past, which uh, what what allowed me to transition out of the boardroom forever and write the book Kidnapped how irresponsible marketers are stealing the minds of your children, which will get you out of that poor room as fast as possible. And that was the intention of the title of the book. I started to notice a breakdown in health, breakdown in well-being. And I went through a period of time where not only did I have a heart problem, I had cancer. And I'm going like, wow, uh, what's going on in terms of the choices that you're making uh, in that world, that's those circles of influence around you. How do you have to shift those? And that that brings me to why I would use an iWatch or a computer or some other element that would give me advantages in improving my health. Uh, Got but, it. So that's there, you know, and there's some great stuff. And I'm not anti-tech, but I am very much in favor of discriminating what choices that technology offers that help you develop your own well-being. Well, and, and even as I listen to you, I'm thinking to myself, my own use of technology and the choices that we have. And, you know, we have choices around, do we get notifications that bling and light up our phones or not? Do we decide that when we leave the house, we bring the technology with us or not? Do we decide that there are sacred times when technology is not allowed at the table, right? So when you're talking about, this is where I go when I think about the choices that we have mm-hmm. around the technology. Is that kind of yeah. following? Yeah. That, okay. Because the big three for me are time, tech, and touch. If you keep those three in mind and you say, how is technology altering my use of time and moving it from being in well in states of well-being, out of states of well-being, and how is the touch or the relationship issue of my life being affected? But, yep. uh, those are the keys, you know. And and if we know the technology is moving forward uh, at a faster clip than we're able to address it, then what's going to be happening and is happening is uh, the mind will not keep up. And the manipulators and the people that are not only creating some of the tech, but are also deciding what it is that you're going to pay attention to, will keep doing that for you unless you figure it out. Like, I, I don't have to do that. I, I can use mm-hmm. my time a different way. I can use it. Uh, and I have to set that up because of the, what's happening around me. And the circles of influence around me have radically changed. It used to be family, mm-hmm. you know, self at the middle, family next, and then media and technology and friends and so forth. It's now become dominated by media and technology, and it's creating the brain in its way that it wants to wire it. And the brain is very susceptible to reinforcement and pleasure and dopamine and feeling good. So they know how to do that. They know how to make you feel good. And it's going to rewire that way. So what about, so you talked about biology, the three different pieces of behavior. So the biology piece, the psychology piece, and the social cultural piece. So talk to me about the psychology piece. 
Okay, so then if we look at psychology and we say, um, my opinion of what has happened is um, if we take higher brain functions, executive functions, and we say, there's, we know what they are, we know what the science of those 10 or 11 functions are, what we're trying to accomplish by developing higher brain executive functions. And several of those functions, several of those key functions are being placed in jeopardy because we have a choice to be either on the outside of ourselves or on the inside. We can either pay attention to uh, external factors or internal factors. So my experience in the classroom at all ages and stages has been the internal part of my life or the internal part of students' life which should be naturally emerged from the earliest levels of childhood, imagination, freedom, exploring my creativity. That's been shifted to the outside part of my life and it's replaced the inside. So the, the whole idea of stimulus control is taking the place of internal kinds of uh, causal control from the internal side of things. So now the stimulus control dominates. Okay, hold on. I want to I want to I want to tease that apart in regular person terms. So I notice something that I notice is um I have a 13-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter and they both have favorite YouTubers. And what I notice is that they spend a lot of time watching other people. Mm-hmm doing things, whether it's stupid things or not stupid things. I mean, whether it, you know, it's some of it's really creative, some of it's really um, like healthy risk-taking. Like I can appreciate the creativity and the work that the kids that are YouTubing, like the people they're watching are putting into what they're creating. Most of them, not all of them. And then I look at my kids and how they're consuming that versus being creators themselves. Absolutely. So is, that, is that what you're talking about exactly here? That's yeah. stimulus control from the outside or cognitive control from the inside. That's so think of it as a um, think of it as a horizontal line going across the middle of a piece of paper, put a ping mm-hmm. pong ball or a marble right in the center of that line and say communication can either go to the right, which is out or it can go to the left, which is in. Cognitive control is when you're in charge of the communication, and and that's on the inside. And the other side is to be drawn out of yourself to the outside control. Now, what's so fascinating about this and what really got me excited about this whole idea of how the mind can either work from the inside or from the outside is if you look at people that were extraordinary, in, in life, and you say, I want to I wanna understand how Nelson Mandela stayed in prison 27 years. How did he do that in a seven-foot-by-seven-foot seven cell? He did mm-hmm. something and then comes out of the cell and becomes uh, president of South Africa. How, how do you do that? You know, or, or the uh, Viktor Frankl discussion of being in a concentration camp and saying, mm-hmm. uh, everyone around me was dying except uh, there is a secret to this and there is a way that you don't based on your cognitive control, based on what you're saying to yourself, how you're processing your information on the inside. But if you give that up 
in favor of the YouTubers on the outside and your brain is being rewired at the same time, you're making a huge, huge trade-off. And in fact, there's a great book out that I highly recommend that I love these guys. Joe Clement and Matt Miles have a book called Screen Schooled. And I highly recommend this book. And I'll, I'll tell you why is what struck me in, in toward the end of the book, um, Joe was talking about his classroom of high school kids. And he, they've, they're teachers. They've been teachers for 25 years. And they're on the inside of watching this happen. And, yeah. and they said, we, I see it more than the parents do because the parents get conned by the students that are in my room. And the students in my room are laughing at how they're conning their parents. And he said, it's a nightmare for a student to leave the classroom to go to the restaurant without putting earbuds in to keep him distracted for the four or five minutes that he leaves. And that to ask a child to sit silently and quietly is virtually impossible. Now, when you think about that, and, and I know that you've had discussions on your podcast here about meditation and mindfulness. When you think about what's happened, that it's impossible for people, especially younger people, to be quiet, to understand what's going on on the inside of them and to process that and enjoy that. That's a tragedy. Yeah. That's, where it's, that's where it's at. That's, that's where the future is. That's where your success is. It's all in the internal cognitive control that you have to develop over a period of time. So if you start losing that early and the brain rewires itself so that you can't even stand yourself being quiet, holy cow, that's, that's a, a major, major issue on this planet. And I think one of the most important issues there is right now, which is how do you get people to understand how important those two dimensions are stimulus control or internal cognitive control. And we've lost the internal cognitive control. Well, and do you, so those are, I mean, do you feel like we're, there's no, like the windows closed? No, no, I don't. Okay. I, I, <laughs> that is bleak. No, it is bleak. It is bleak. But uh, I have a, I have a favorite expression, by the way, uh, for people uh, that do have closed the window. I call them nanas. You know, there's a lot of nanas, including one of the biggest nana uh, on the planet is in charge of our country. Uh, oh, geez. And I'm do not- we dare go there? <laughs> so a nana. I don't think we need to. <laughs> yeah, well, a nana to me is a person that is not aware that they are not aware. A nana. Right. And there's a, there's a lot of people that just basically don't understand that awareness is the key, don't want to be aware, uh, don't want to take the time and energy. It's sort of like the difference between the concept of happiness and the concept of well-being. They're completely different concepts to me. Well, and don't you think not aware that you're not aware? I mean, when you think, when we take this into, you know, talking about adolescence, I mean, that's like the lay of the land, uh-huh. right? I wouldn't, I mean, I know for me in my own experience, awareness, and when I, and when I talk about consciousness and conscious parenting, it's really a, about exactly that, being aware of what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And if I can aim for more likely than not, I'm winning. That's right. Right? Yeah. 
there's no perfect. I'm still going to get distracted. There's still going to be moments where I get hijacked by my own triggers and my own stuff. But the, you know, and that's something that I say to parents too, when they come and they say, oh God, I really screwed up and I did this thing and it was a total parent fail. And I say, actually, you knowing that you screwed up is a win. Absolutely. That's beautiful. You know, and that's, that's what intrigued me about the fact that you were using the word conscious, because that's what it's all about is understanding uh, how you think about your own thinking and how you have that possibility and the alternative then to change it. So that's fantastic mm-hmm. to be a conscious parent. I, uh, I can't say enough about that word. I love that fact. And I have the experience, by the way, of not just talking about this or thinking about it or reading about it. I spent 25 years sitting in four and five day uh, retreats at a Zen center that, that all I did for five days straight and 16 hours a day was ask myself one question. I, I had a choice to enter each time I did this every year or twice a year, I could pick a question. So I'd pick a question like, you know, what is love? What is life? What is God? What is another? You know, uh, what is beauty? I, I had the choice of any question. But then once I picked the question, I could sit on that question and re- reflect on that question 16 hours a day for four or five days straight. And I'd have a person opposite me in a dyad that would help me. And they'd say, tell me your question. I would say, what is life? They'd say, tell me what life is. Then I would have 20 minutes to just get quiet, go down into the well, see what showed up, what started to happen. And what I noticed after doing this, like a couple times a year for 25 years, there's a there's something that's there's the exact same pattern that happened every single time, which is the first night, chatter, chatter, chatter. Oh, I hate this. My back hurts. My butt hurts. I don't want to be here. You know what am I doing this for? You know I go through all the all of that chatter <laughs> in my head. You know mm-hmm. and and but I'm I'm committed. You know so my choice is I will I will work this out. And then the second day it gets less. And the third day, it's, it's, you settle into a completely different kind of space of, of understanding and relationships with others in the room and so forth. It just, the chatter gets out of the way. You get tired of hearing yourself talk about yourself and who you are and all your, all your stuff. And it, it just gets less and less and less. That's, uh, meditation and mindfulness are designed to get you to do that, to learn how to do that and get the stuff out of the way that has no benefit to you and to, that gets in the way of your well-being. But it's a, for t- some people, it's a much shorter process. They don't have the time to do that. So I had the advantage to be able to do that, watch it and watch it and watch it for 25 years in a row and say, yep, here's the way it works. You know, this is exactly the same pattern every single time. So it's the internal dialogue that if you don't pay attention to that, you can't change it. Right. And if I have an earbud in all the time, Mm -hmm. I can't even hear my internal dialogue. That's right. I just feel like if there's no other tools that we have in the parenting world, on the parenting journey, if we can teach ourselves how to get quiet and sift through all the garbage that 
shows up because our three-year-old's having a tantrum or our 16-year-old is flipping us off. If we can just sit with it and really get clear on bigger questions like, you know, what do I want most right now? I mean, typically that question leads me to connection always. It's a reminder of like, right, so I can respond to this in a, in a really angry or dismissive or, you know, humiliated way. And it's going to have an effect on connection or I can come at this from a different place of curiosity and openness and wonder and love. And it's going to affect the connection that I have with my child a different way. And either way, you know, I mean, if ultimately (laughs) we're either adding the kindling to the fire or we're dampening the fire down people. So just recognizing, and again, coming back to being aware, right? Being aware and being conscious that of what you're doing when you're doing it. Hey, hi. I know that you're enjoying this episode and I just wanted to jump in so that you knew that I have a really special program that's open for registration right now. Joyful Courage Academy Parenting Teens is coming back and it will be running September 30th through November 1st. I heard your needs and I'm gonna actually run two different tracks of the program. One track will be for parents with kids ages 11 through about 13, 14, kind of that middle school age. And another track will be for parents with older teens, 14 plus, right? So I'm gonna do two tracks included in the program. I've extended it out to a five week instead of a four week, it's now a five week program. You will get at the beginning of each week, a link to a webinar slash video delivering the content, both audio and video this round. You will have access and be encouraged to engage in a supportive community of other like-minded parents with kids who are similar ages of your kids, going through similar challenges, learning the same content as you. Also, another thing I've done this round is I've upped the one-on-one time. So each participant in the program will be able to book a 90-minute call with me to talk specifically about what's happening inside of your relationship with your teen or preteen. Such an amazing program. I've gotten such great feedback the last few rounds that I've done it. I'm so excited. So I want you to head on over to the website and check out all the information. You can go to joyfulcourage.com slash J-C-A-P-T. That's joyfulcourage.com slash J-C-A-P-T. That'll get you more information and the link to register. I can only hold so many spots and they're starting to fill up. So make sure you head over there, check it out and sign up. All right, back to the show. All right, so now move into the, so, and, I, and I'm thinking that this social, this third piece of behavior being that social cultural piece. So that's really yeah. the influence, right, of the outside world. Yeah, exactly. And we have, uh, one way to think about it is you have circles of influence that are, are that surround you. And if those, mm-hmm. if you understand what they are and you're, you're clear about the priorities. So if you start with, the self in the middle, then the family, then the friends, then media, then the concentric circles, technology, education, work, career, community, society, ending up in the circle of wisdom. And you say to yourself, how do I get 
through the other circles to get to the point over my lifetime of being wiser uh, than I am now? How can I increase mm -hmm. my wisdom? So, so decisions have to be made about that. Like which circles am I going to allow to dominate my consciousness and my ability to uh, increase my self-reflective skills? Which ones get in the way? How do I arrange my time in ways where I, I can maximize uh, the time I spend on, on my cognitive strengths and my internal world? And that's one of the, when you were talking about um, parents, that's a hard one if you've never done it, because even, you know, some people say, well, do five minutes of meditation. And I've, <laughs> I've taken people up to this retreat, by the way, that have been so blown away by what it takes to sit yeah. quietly that they've, they've essentially hitchhiked home after one day and said, look, you're here four days. I'm, I'm out of here. This is insane. It's too much, yeah, it's too much. right? It's too much. Yeah. But if you know that this is this is is good for you, this is what wellness is all about: is thinking about your thinking. Then at least you can build it in to your schedule and say, "Okay, this I got to do more of this." Mm -hmm. I actually have talked to parents and my own experience with, and I've never studied meditation. I would like to. Um, it just hasn't presented itself in a way that. I could take advantage of. So I'm, I'm kind of a self-taught girl. And I had a friend and I said, you know, I really, really want to create this meditation practice, but I have such a hard time sitting with an empty mind. And she said, Case, it's not about sitting with an empty mind. Meditation is about noticing when your mind wanders and just coming back to your breath. Right. And that was so useful to me because all of a sudden it went from, I fail at mm. this to every time I came back to breath, it was a little pleasure point of, oh, look at me, I'm strengthening this mm -hmm. muscle. And I had an early episode with um, Giovanni, uh, I can't think of his last name, but it was one of my earlier episodes on mindfulness. He's from the Austin Mindfulness Institute. And he talked about how, you know, we go to the gym to strengthen our muscles so that we can be strong in our life, so that we can run around after our kids, so that we can do the things we want to do. And we meditate, not so that we can become better meditators, but so that we can be more mindful out in the world in our life. And I really, that really stuck with me. And I really appreciated that as far as, you know, creating the practice. Yeah. For me, if I can do 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I am really killing the meditation, Yeah. (laughs) let alone five days, which I totally see the value in that. Where do you go? Where's the place that you go? Just say it. Well, for, and the other thing that I, I love about technology is that there are some phenomenal apps that will mm-hmm. allow you to do this. If you're the kind of person that says, I don't know how to do this, uh, you could put your earbuds in and you could set the app to, do, to help you learn how to do that. And, and that, yep. that's a no-brainer. And those things are available to you. Just like, on, like I said, on the iWatch, there's a pause button. And I tap the pause button 20 times a day and it says, okay, uh, we're going to do a little one minute breathing exercise right now. And those kinds of tools like that are available. That's the good tech stuff. You know, well, that's you making a choice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and brain, I, I can, I can recommend an app for people with iPhones called brain wave. It gives you 30, I think 32 different ways to, use a brainwave and you can set different times and, and adapt it to your personal style, but it's, it goes all the way from deep sleep to a power nap, to stress, to creativity, different brainwave patterns will uh, reorient your brain in a certain way. So brainwave is a great app available on iPhones. Cool. I love Insight Timer. I'm an Insight Timer girl too. I use that app quite a bit and they have guided meditations, but they also have where you can set a timer and you can add bells. It's useful to me to have bells sometimes just to kind of that, if I'm not really on top of my noticing the wandering, the bell definitely brings me back to being aware of my awareness for sure. So I mean, we've painted this picture and we're all living it. So we really know. And and listeners, you know, we'd all like to pretend that this isn't a big deal and it is a big deal. And so where do you go then when, you know, people are listening like, okay, great, great, Rob and Casey. I recognize that we're making unconscious choices a lot of the day. How do we support parents in supporting themselves and their kids around that? You know, I think the most powerful thing that's come out of this conversation is really the learning of being aware of our awareness. I think yeah. that's kind of the yeah. the that's gist. The big, that's the big one right there. Uh, and there's ways to do that. Lots of different ways to do that. But that's the thing that is dissipating in society. 
and it's happening younger and younger. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that younger children are involved in digital devices, they uh, are training the brain earlier yep. not to be aware of their awareness. So put the devices away or be conscious yeah, or, or, about what or, you're doing with the device. Exactly. Yeah. Or use it in new ways, you know, that, uh, that support well-being. Because uh, you're not going to get rid of the devices. Right. You know, everybody knows, like, don't even, uh, you become the bad guy. and But you can do some really interesting things and use, for example, entertainment, which you mentioned earlier, yes, is, uh, is a technique. Uh, it's, it's a methodology that says this. It says, we all know what entertainment is. And we know that uh, Matt and Joe and the guys that are writing about school, the teachers are saying that kids are spending 93 percent of their time on their screens being entertained oh god that's a staggering number nine hours a day 93 percent of their time in the world of entertainment now okay. imagine imagine what that's doing to rewiring the brain right. so the alternative to that is uh and it 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 there is a way to use to change entertainment into entertainment which means Entertainment is a rich, rich, rich area to explore your inner world if you can translate it in such a way that you understand how to ask your child the questions, uh, the, the, the questions that are indirect. They're not direct. They're not making them wrong. They're not saying, stop doing that. Don't do this bad, bad entertainment. It's basically well, good because that does not go over well with teenagers. Not at all. And in fact, they're going to protect the fact that this is my territory. Don't go in it. You right. know, this is what I like. These are my choices, my identity. So don't mess with me. However, indirectly, if, if the questions are asked in new ways about what makes that character that you love so much so uh, appealing, what, what, what does he possess? Being able to... Uh, understand characters, stories, the keys that are underneath of the hero's journey, how they succeeded, how they failed, what uh, different kinds of value systems are built into the characters, the character dynamics, the sidekicks. There's a wealth of possibility in, in terms of training the inner self-reflective skills using the outside entertainment modality. Uh, so there's that's what entertainment's about is taking entertainment and not don't make it wrong, but let's translate it into something that is uh, uh, can create more awareness in your child about who they are and who the entertainer is and what it is that I'm connected to and why I identify with that particular behavior or don't what's in it for me. There's such a rich, rich, rich area of understanding uh, that can be used because that's it, it's here to stay. It, it, you know, they're already involved. Now the question is, mm -hmm. can you create a story team, for example, in your home that's able to start that process uh, at the earliest possible ages by reading stories? And then eventually, as the child's able to understand more about the stories, understand the character in the story and then what makes that character a good character what character do you like why do you like them what what does that character stand for what it, it's just an unfolding process of using stories and entertainment in new ways 
that I call entertainment. I love that. And I often will tell clients, you know, when they're working on something with their younger kids Ooh. or older kids, you know, and they're watching movies or TV shows and they're, you know, to, to pay attention to the characters and to notice, you know, oh, wow, did you see how they, they just solved that problem? Hello, hello, hello. That was a really creative way of solving that problem. I think when our kids become teenagers, um, and I know a lot of my listeners have our parents of teens and I can hear I can hear their inner dialogue right now going, well, yeah, that's all great if your teenager will talk to you. (laughs) So I think that, you know, I'm just going to point out and listeners I know will not be surprised to hear me say this is if you're unable to have a conversation around technology right now with your teenagers, then take a step back from that and just start to build and nurture relationship. Because I think that, when kids move into the teenage years, there's so many different dynamics that occur and they start to become, you know, they don't trust us. They don't trust us to not judge them. I think there's some levels of, you know, I think well-intentioned parents, myself included, feel like, hey, listen, I lived through this already. So I, I have some knowledge, but as a teenager receiving that, it feels like you don't think I know anything. You don't think I can handle this. So screw you. I'm just going to shut you out. And so I think that if you're listening to this and you're like, well, this is all well and good, but it's really hard for me to have conversations with my teenagers about technology. You know, I think one place to start is to really start with like, you know, it's really hard for us to talk about your phone. And I'm really curious about that. Tell me about how it feels when I want to talk about our screen time and phone and just like really coming from a place of curiosity, right? And an openness so that the space between the, that we're creating feels safe for them. And, and I think that goes along with what you said, like not making them wrong, not having an agenda where everybody's going to just do two hours of screen time a day, which would be great. That would be a stretch for me even, but you know, I just wanted to throw that out to the people that are listening. Cause I know that even having the conversation sometimes is really tricky. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, and I think uh, indirect communication is a little tricky for uh, some people that don't know how to do that because, you know, the younger the child is, the more direct you have to be. And you don't get to have those conversations. So so one of the things is the earlier you can begin uh, dealing with the idea of stories, for example, with the younger child and making stories part of your your, your dinner conversation or your bedtime conversation or before bed conversation at the earliest possible ages, then by the time you get into teens, it's sort of uh, become commonplace where you're, you're interested in their stories, your stories, the world's stories, and you, you build story. I think story is one of the most powerful tools we have that's basically not being used very much. And uh, I understand how uh, an older teen will protect their world and their environment and their entertainment. So it's going to be much, much harder if, if you can't incorporate that earlier. But indirect conversation is um, really a, a, a whole other world of asking the right questions uh, based on the you know ways that are not threatening at all. And I think that's yeah. a tool that is not common and, and also needs to be trained a little bit because it's not that easy to do, especially if you're out of time and you're frustrated and you say, I'm not going to uh, 
you know, spend the time. But I've noticed, you know, like in classrooms, uh, the classroom experience that uh, teaching is to me uh, the best way to teach is to ask questions. And, and oh, yeah. in the business world, the same thing is like if I go into a business meeting, uh, the worst thing I can do is like play the role of having the answers as opposed to opening up the conversation to whoever is in that meeting about what those answers might be. So you're right on with regard to screen time. What What's going on with screen time? Like how, how does that, how do you think that uh, has to do with some other part of your life and how do you spend it and so forth? As, as long as you can get that door open through questioning, uh, I think that's positive. Yeah. Well, and I did a show last spring, I think it was, where I had both my kids on and we had a very candid conversation about screens and social media and the way that kids are using it. And it was interesting because I got a lot of feedback from my listeners saying, oh my gosh, it's amazing that you can have these conversations with your kids. And I have to remind them and I have reminded them, okay, but that's a snapshot of one afternoon where they happen to be really forthcoming and easygoing about this topic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not how it always feels. I mean, and again, I get to check, you know, when I go into a conversation with an agenda, And sometimes this is the conversation around conscious versus unconscious. Sometimes I'm not totally conscious of the fact that I have an agenda, right? But if I walk in with an agenda, my kids can smell it from a mile away, you know? And and so really it's, they have so Mm -hmm. much to teach me. And there's so many things that I don't know. And I think that that's the other piece too for parents that are listening is when we're being curious, it's really because we don't want to assume. We want a deeper understanding of what their connection is to technology in this conversation or, you know, what their attachment is to it. And so it's just, again, you know, plastic in the ocean. It's a little bit like, oh God, blah. Yeah, yeah, overwhelming. I think think one of the tricks for communication is to set up the dichotomy of uh, your story, their story whether it's for friends at school uh, and, and keep that in mind with regard to behavior and what's going on. And like, what is, what is that story? Uh, because you, it's a little bit lighter if you think of it as a person's story. And you're also training a little by little to understand that maybe all it is for a lot of people is that they have, they have all these stories running around and it's like, and, and half of it's not anything to do with reality or the truth, it's just a story. And in that idea of, you know, like uh, I do this with my wife when she worries about uh, her, uh, she has a, a hairstyling salon and she, and you know, that business is up and down and she's a men's hairstylist. So if she's not getting customers, you know, she comes home mm-hmm. and she goes, wow, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my business, man. You know, <laughs> I hear this all the time and I go, okay, so let's talk about your story. What's your story about your business? Oh, well, they're going to maybe I won't have any customers. And, you know, right. and, and it's like and you get that's your story. Right. So you're talking when you're talking story, you're talking about the story that we create in our mind about the experiences that we're having. 
Yeah, that too. But what's beautiful about that is a producer, a director, a writer is doing that also for a piece of entertainment. He's creating the characters and the story and and you have your story and they have their story. And, and that's the way it is with everybody. That's with the children. That's with their friends. That's at school. Everybody's got their story. You know, what's going on in their head. This is right. That's wrong. This is what good. The earlier that you can understand that piece of it, like, but you have a story with regard to your own children. What's your story? Yeah. You know, and, and begin. Many stories, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are more useful than others. Yeah. It's just a valuable concept to, to keep it light enough to make it fun yeah. and, uh, and not make it too heavy. And at the same time, it's just, it's, it's self-reflecting. It's understanding what I'm saying to myself, what I think is, is going on inside me and how much of it's true or not true. All of that is a deeper well to get into down the road, but it's a great starting point. Yeah. The idea of yeah. stories, you know. Well, and I think it speaks into being aware of our awareness, right? When we recognize like, oh, this thing happened, I got cut off. And then I got really mad at the person that cut me off. But in reality, I have no idea what's going on with that person. Mm -hmm. And there's a very likely chance that they didn't intentionally cut me off. So I can calm down. Yeah. And, <laughs> you and, know, and, and, and stories be, like that. And teach your kid not to be a nana. Yes. <laughs> Please don't be a nana. That was what we're leaving listeners with, all of you. Okay. The biggest piece here is don't be a nana. And support your kids in developing the tools that they need to not be a nana as well. <laughs> and, I, and I know, Casey, you always ask the question of what do you think joyful courage means to you? Yes, and I was going there. Okay, good. Because it's different than, you know, not having children. I could guess what that means if you're a parent, but for a person that isn't a parent like myself, it, yeah. it, it's it's determining it's using your awareness to find your passion and the courage to fulfill it over time. So keep your awareness engaged in finding your passion and your path and have the courage with the ups and downs that occur to continue yeah. working toward that goal. Love it. Yay. Well, tell the listeners, where can they find you and follow your work, your podcasts, all the things? Where are the places that you're at? So Live Above the Noise is the podcast um, and liveabovethenoise.com. And the book I'm working on now is called Future Wise, The Challenge of Choice in the Culture of Noise. Oh, when does that come out? As soon as, I, <laughs> as, soon as you as finish writing as it. Finish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be on the lookout. Please be sure to reach out to me when that becomes available. I'd love to have you back on. This was such a rich conversation, Rob, and I feel like we just scratched the surface. Thank you so much for hanging with me with all my technology issues. Yeah. Listeners, you might not be aware of the technology issues that we did have, but there were there's one at least. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have a beautiful day. Okay, Casey. Thanks again. Yay! Thanks for listening. I so appreciate every single one of you and the ways that you show up for joyful courage. Thank you. And did you know there are ways that you can give back? I have a 
Patreon page, which is a place where you basically can donate one, five, or ten dollars towards the sustainability of the program. And you can check that out at patreon.com slash joyful courage. That's www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. I have some benefits and bonuses for people that are in my Patreon community. You can also let me know what you think by heading on over to Apple Podcasts, leaving me a five-star rating and a review. I love to read the reviews on air. So whenever I get a new review, I share it. It really just helps me know what you love about this podcast. What is landing for you? What is useful? Like I mentioned at the top, I am active on Instagram and Facebook, both places you can find me at Joyful Courage. And please know that you're always welcome to join into my Facebook groups, Live in Love with Joyful Courage, as well as Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens. Yes, 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 yes. We're back in the weekly mode. So I'll be back next week. Can't wait to have you listen again. Until then... Take a deep breath, follow it into your body. Take a moment to notice what's currently alive for you. Imagine that you can take the balcony seat for a higher perspective of whatever is currently going on in your life and trust that everyone's gonna be okay. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.